Hello, core leaders. This is Kurt Frankum. Finally getting back on the horse here a little bit. Uh, hopefully be more regular with these core casts because uh, I try and bring you more value and, uh, you know, make it worth it for your generosity of being a core leader. We want to make it all worth it. So I thought I would make quick recording about, um, I've made a, about a book I read. I've made more of an effort and intention this, this year about really um, uh, sharpening my saw, right? As Stephen Covey says, and making that a priority in my personal development, in the information I bring to leading saints and the research I do. So I've been making reading a, a, a bit more of a priority this year. Uh, so I've gone through quite a few books. One book I thought I would do a quick review here and share some some highlights that I made in it. A uh, book I read recently called Leadership for the Saints. And this was a book, uh, it's written by Roger Dean Duncan and Ed J. Pinniger. Um, let me see the copyrights, early 2000s, I believe it was um, oh, November 2011. I thought it was earlier than that. But so a good, uh, a good few years ago, about eight years ago, that uh, this was written. Um, and you've probably seen it. It's been around. I mean, it's uh, in Desert Book and whatnot. And uh, anyways, just a book, obviously, about leadership. And I would say, you know, it's got 10 customer reviews here, all five stars. I probably wouldn't give it a five star. Um, but uh, I'll talk about why. I mean, it's not. It's a good book. It's it's decent. I think the overall thing was I felt like it was a bit too superficial at, at moments. But I think um, I've uh, not that I'm like this great leader that's figured it all out. But I've sort of been through the uh, school of hard knocks, just you know, going through a whole time of being a bishop and in a stake presidency and an elders quorum president. These things that I've some of the things they talked about, I maybe figured out the harder way of just figuring out on my own. Um, and I've done a lot of reading with other leadership books. So some of those principles came out, but you know, for a new leader, you know, new elders, quorum president, or leaf study president or bishop who really doesn't have a lot of leadership background, I think it would be a decent, uh, gift for that type of individual. And the one thing I risk, I think the difference between, I would probably give it four stars, and the difference between four and five stars for me is that it was just wasn't as anecdotal as I'd like it to be. You know, they talked about um, leadership principles. <coughs> Excuse me. They talked about leadership principles, but they didn't really <coughs> give me like real life examples. Um, and probably because they didn't have real life examples because, uh, you know, getting those is, is difficult. Um, at Leading Saints, I think we're more able to get some of those, uh, examples since we've, we've done 300 plus, uh, interviews, uh, with various leaders who shared their own, own personal anecdotes of, uh, seeing certain leadership principles manifested. So, um, so that I really miss, like they talk about a principle, then I want to be like them to say, okay, and this is what it looks like in real life, because I think that's important because what I've learned a lot, you know, being in the leadership world in the context of the church is that, you can say a lot of stuff on paper, but in real life, it just doesn't manifest that way. And that's one of the biggest blessings I had being in, uh, called as an elders quorum president. 
um, not too long ago, right. You know, when the high priest and elders combined was that I wrote down a lot of ideas of this should work. And then once I tried to do them, I thought, oh, okay, yeah, this doesn't work as well as I thought. I went back to the drawing board, adjusted them. And so it's a little bit more applicable that way. But, um, let me just share with you some, um, <coughs> some quotes though, that I highlighted one thing that was really quote heavy with, in the margins, they have a lot of quotes from general authorities and past uh, leaders, some secular leaders, or, um, you know, I think there's a few C.S. Lewis quotes, as there always are. Um, and there's a lot of quotes from Loyal, Lloyd Newell, who is, if it's the same Lloyd Newell that I am familiar with, that would be the um, the the voice of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, or the Tabernacle at Temple Square, right? Um so let me just go through some of these quotes and, uh, you know, I think just listening to them will uh, benefit your your life. You can ponder over them as they want. Uh, this is a quote from Prince, President Spencer W. Kimball. He says, Jesus was not afraid to make demands on those he led. His leadership was not condescending or soft. He had the courage to call Peter and others to leave their fishnets and follow him, not after this fishing season or after the next catch, but now, today. Jesus let the people know that he believed in them and in their possibilities, and thus he was free to help them stretch their souls in fresh achievement. If we desire to lengthen our stride in the management of the kingdom at all levels of its operation, we must be more willing to expand more of our time, talent, and means to provide leadership training. Close quote by Spencer W. Campbell. I love this concept. I'm actually going to talk more about it in... I'm going to do a solo episode this um, this coming weekend on the podcast. At least that's the plan for now, unless something changes. Um, and just that I feel like in church leadership, we need to be more like demanding of those we lead in the sense that, you know, holding them accountable and not being like, oh, gee, you know, just thanks for, thanks for doing what you can. And, you know, don't overexert yourself. And we just, because that, we don't want to create wakes and we, you know, we, uh, or we don't want to create waves in the in the culture, and we don't want anybody to feel bad. But I love this quote uh, by Spencer, Kim, President Kimball, that uh, really encourages and shows the example that you know Christ really made some demands and expected people more out of people. Here's a quote by John A. Woodso: uh, "The first great need of any quorum is efficient leadership, a leadership that will say, 'Come, let us go.'" a leadership that will strive to emulate the great teacher who said, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. Awesome quote. Um, This one says, great leaders are great leaders because they value the results of great leadership and because they are willing to pay the price of continuous improvement. I'll read that again. Great leaders are great leaders because they value the results of great leadership and because they are willing to pay the price of continuous improvement. This is definitely like the overarching theme of leading saints. Like we want to create a platform where where leaders can come to gain a greater level of leadership and because they value it and the, the, we have to continually improve and it's so easy to become complacent in a calling, right? And so hopefully we're, we're helping accomplish that. But I think that's a powerful quote. Another quote, I fear we have learned too much over the years about programs at the expense of insufficient understanding of principles. If we had learned more principles, priesthood leaders all over the world would be solving local problems with local resources without waiting for something to come from church headquarters. Members would be helped each, uh, members 
would be helping each other without waiting for an assignment. That was a quote by Glenn L. Pace. Fantastic. I love that. Just that getting out of the the mode of like, well, is, have we heard anything from Salt Lake? You know, what, what do the, the brethren say about that? And I guess if we haven't heard anything, we shouldn't pursue anything, right? Um, another quote, the most effective quorum leaders seem to be those who consistently pray for their brethren by name and then seek them out. They consistently and faithfully hold priesthood, uh, personal priesthood interviews with home teachers as part of the Lord's system of accountability and as an important way to stay close to the families whom they are called to bless. The most effective leaders, or the most effective youth leaders, seem to be those who specifically pray for and receive the spirit of discernment as they teach and guide and serve as examples for our precious young people. I thought that was a powerful quote. Uh, you know, the more individual we can make our leadership, and really as we kneel down, pray for these individuals. Uh, the more specific we can be in those prayers, that's when the more specific revelation will come. Uh, next quote says, underlying the ultimate capacity of any leader is to, um, sorry, let me start. Underlying the ultimate capacity of any leader is, of any leader to lead is, of course, his capacity to love. As Khalil Gibran uh, observed, work is love made visible, and the quality of our work and our service to other people is a direct indication of our capacity to love. No leader can be fully effective without love, and those who try to serve without it will not be properly motivated and may even feel resentment and a sense of slavery. That's a quote by Neil A. Maxwell. Love it. Next quote, transactional things involve making sure the train runs on time. Transformational things involve making sure the train is on the right track. That is, that it is headed in the right direction, and that everyone wants to make the trip, ha- and that everyone who wants to to make the trip has a ticket. Love that. Just we can get so caught up in the transactional things and leadership, right? And make sure meetings are happening. But are we even on the right track? Um, another quote: It is more noble to give yourself completely to one individual than to labor diligently for the salvation of the masses. Oh, such a powerful. Uh, perspective and thought because we can get so caught up in the masses, especially as we, um, you know, and anything above, above Bishop, you're just dealing with masses of people, right? And so you can get so caught up in that. So I love that, that we, you have to push yourself to the individual. Uh, Boyd K. Packer said, exaltation is achieved by keeping covenants, not by holding high positions. Amen to that. Um, how, this is Howard W. Hunter. <coughs> Excuse me. As the church moves into the challenges <clears throat> of the last decades of this century, the need for leadership through the wards and stakes of Zion will increase dramatically. What is needed is not just young people of training and skill, but rather we will need a generation of great faith. Those who have learned disciples, those who have uh, learned discipline and discipleship. What will be needed is a generation who understands not only how to organize a ward, but also how to build faith, how to sustain the weak and faltering, how to defend the truth. What is needed is a generation whose glory comes from their capacity to comprehend light and truth, who can with that light and truth and enlarge their capacity to love and to serve. Man, that quote rings true, more true to it today than back in 2011 for sure. That was another thing about the book is there were some parts that just seemed out of date because I mean we're practically in a different church at this point in 2019 as compared to 2011, but the principles there were, were still strong. Um, 
Next quote, we love the motto used by the elders and sisters of the Japan Fuku, uh, Fukuoka mission. Obedience is the price. Faith is the power. Love is the motive. The spirit is the key. Christ is the reason. This is a quote, or a quote that came from a chapter about uh, vision statements. And, uh, you know, I'm big on vision statements. So I love that. Uh, David O. McKay say, Act, uh, actuated by the spirit, leaders will think more of men than of the success of a system. Sterling W. Seal, one of my favorites, says, Leader, Leadership success is an appropriate combination of knowledge, attitude, skills, and habits made effective through the instruments of the personality of the leader. Oh, this is it's like a warm blanket to me. I love it. This the, the Leadership isn't just about authority. It isn't about someone ordaining you to, a lead, to be a leader. Leadership success is an appropriate combination of knowledge, attitude, skills, and habits made effective through the instruments of the personality of the leader. Like, man, in one line, it just explains the all-encompassing of the ball of madness that leadership is, right? It's about knowledge and attitude and skill. We can't just say, I have the title, therefore I'm a leader. Uh, George D. Broadman really puts into perspective the process of building character. Sow a thought and you reap an act. Sow an act and you reap a habit. Sow a habit and you reap a character. Sow a character and you reap a destiny. Classic quote. And it's funny, every time I hear that quote or read that quote, I swear that it, somebody it's one of those quotes that it seems nobody really knows who says it because it's always somebody else different. I thought that was a um, um, Joseph Fielding's or Joseph F. Smith quote, um, but obviously he got it from somewhere else, but... Uh, Bruce R. McConkie said, No pain that we suffer, no trial that we experience is wasted. It ministers to our education, to the development of, of such qualities as patience, faith, fortitude, and humility. All that we suffer and all that we endure, especially when we endure it patiently, purifies our hearts, expands our souls, and makes us more tender and charitable, more worthy to be called the children of God. It is through this that we gain the education that we can that we came here to acquire and which will make us more like our Father in heaven. Every apostle, prophet, legal administrator whom I have commissioned to offer the fruit of eternal life to men shall be cut off by my Father unless he carries forward my work, and every minister who is faithful in my service shall be pruned of dead foliage and given power to bring forth more fruit." Uh, next quote, one of the great blessings of leadership is that we often draw strength and insight from the very people we're trying to serve. We love the story told by our friend uh, Ardith Cap, former general young women's president in the church. She received a letter from a, from a participant of a young women's conference uh, attended by several hundred mothers and daughters. Dear Sister Cap, I waited in line after the meeting and you gave me a hug and said some wonderful things to me. I was the girl in the green jumper on the second row. Could you please write and tell me what you said? I forgot, and I want to write it in my journal so I can read it when I'm feeling down. Now that's the tenderness of youth, because this young girl didn't fully understand what happened to her. What happened to her is she felt the spirit distill upon the occasion, and she wanted somehow to reach back to the spiritual moment. She wanted to recognize and enjoy again and again the tenderness of her brief time with a great leader. Isn't that really what leadership is all about? Oh, they may say, do you remember me? I was, in the, I was the one in the green dress. But what they really mean is, help me feel again what I felt when we were together. 
Help me feel good about myself. Help me know that I, that I matter. Help me know that Heavenly Father knows who I am and that he loves me. I love that little story just because it, that's what true leadership looks like, right? That we're drawn to these leaders that have impact in our life. Many times we've mistaken it because we, <clears throat> because of them and their personalities, but it's really the spirit that we felt from their message, from their leadership, from their words. And so that's why the spirit is so crucial in a leadership experience that you're constantly worthy of that spirit, that you're uh, taking it wherever you go. Let's see, we have all sorts of quotes here. Obviously, you can skip ahead or you know, listen to these, but I, I really enjoy these. And uh, they, were, they hit me, hit me hard, so hopefully you're enjoying them as well. President Hinckley said, Bless them with love. Let them know that you love them. It's so important. You are not generals running an army. You are servants of God, ministering to his people. Bless them with love. Uh, Johann Wolfgang Goeth said, The things which matter most must not be at the mercy of the things which matter least. Albert Einstein reportedly said that the significant problem we face cannot be solved with the same level of thinking uh, we were at when we created them. Most good mission statements, we'll now use the phrase for simplicity and consistency, contain two basic elements— a declaration of what you want to do and a declaration of what you want to be. I, I really, probably my favorite chapter in this book was the chapter about mission statements. Yeah, I, I thought they had some great, great perspectives. Abraham Lincoln said, I believe in God, the almighty ruler of nations, our great and good merciful maker, our father in heaven, who notes the fall of a sparrow and numbers the hairs of our heads. I recognize the sublime truth announced in the Holy Scriptures and proved by all history that those nations are blessed whose God is the Lord. I believe that the will of God prevails. Without Him, all human reliance is vain. With the assistance, I cannot fall. I have a solemn vow registered in heaven to finish the work I am in, in full view of my responsibility to God, with malice towards none and with charity for all, with firmness in the, in the right as God gives me gives me to see the right. Powerful statement by Abraham Lincoln. I believe it was stated in his uh, second and inaugural address. Uh, Margaret Thatcher, being in power is like being a lady. If you have to be, re- if you have to remind people that you are, you aren't. I love it. Uh, <laughs> um, it reminds me of another leadership quote uh, I've shared before on social media, something to the effect of, um, a leader can't look goofy on a horse or something, or like a, a good general can't look goofy on a horse. Anyways, Neil A. Maxwell said, The church has no core of professionals. It must depend upon leaders developed from within the membership as a whole. The church's need is greater than ever now, both in terms of number, numbers and the requirements for greater devotion and skill. So must the need for more ca- capable and responsible leadership multiply. Ah, good, strong leadership quote. Here's some quick ones. Uh, Von J. Featherstone, A leader with no vision will dramatically limit his effectiveness. Emerson Ballard, there is another reason to delegate, and that is to empower and prepare leaders for future service. Ah, oh, man, so true. Gordon B. Hinckley, keep balance in your lives. Beware of obsessions. Beware of narrowness. Um, another quote by the authors. It was a Spanish novelist, Cervantes, who reminded us that by the streets of by and by, one reaches the house of never. Hubie Brown, we are not in endeavored to get ahead of others, but only to surpass ourselves. Spencer W. Kimball, life gives us, gives to all the choice. You can satisfy yourself with mediocrity. If you wish, 
You can be common, ordinary, dull, colorless, or you can channel your life so that it will be clean, vibrant, progressive, useful, colorful, and rich. Ah, powerful quote. Neil A. Maxwell said, most people do far too little goal setting, including the reflecting, the, uh, uh, let's see, including the reflecting that precedes the setting of such goals. Marvin K. Gardner said, at the church regional meeting held in the summer of 1978, the following instructions on goals was, were presented. Goals should be prayerfully set with the guidance from, this, from the Spirit. Goals should be specific rather than general. Goals should be written down. Goals should be stated in terms of specific uh, time period. Goals should be set by those responsible for their attainment. Goals should be realistic and attainable, but should also challenge us to a length to lengthen our stride. Goals should be reviewed frequently and the result reported periodically. Goals should be directed towards helping and serving other people as well as towards self-improvement. Ah, powerful. Um, almost there. This is, uh, uh, this, is, this is funny. Two men formed a partnership. They built a small shed beside a busy road. They obtained a truck and drove it to the farmer's field where they purchased a truckload of melons for a dollar a melon. They drove the loaded truck to their shed by the road, where they sold their melons for a dollar a melon. They drove back to the farmer's field and brought another truckload of melons for a dollar a melon. Transporting them to the roadside, they again sold them for a dollar a melon. As they drove back towards the farmer's field to get another load, one partner said to the other, We're not making much money at this business, are we? No, we're not, his partner replied. Do you think we need a bigger truck? Ha! think we often just <coughs> go through the motions and realize that the change is ever so slight and uh, then everything changes remember the gr- remember that great leadership is not always a matter of huge success after huge success great leadership is daily meeting of challenges and opportunities <laughs> love it uh we have about t- seven more here Think of your organization not as a machine to be fixed, but as a living organism with many interrelated elements. Now think of yourself, the leader, not as a mechanic, but as a gardener. Successful leaders invest energy in growing rather than in fixing. Successful leaders are gardeners. Great leaders delegate effectively because they have a clear vision of two things, accomplishing the work and helping their people grow. I mean, this is, I just lap this stuff up. That's great. One purpose of church callings is to benefit individual members by letting them do the work of the church. Through service, members learn their responsibility and their capacity, enlarge their understanding, and increase their commitment to the gospel. That was uh, Brian L. Pitcher. Brigham Young said, It is the duty of saints of God to gain all the influence he can on this earth and to use every particle of that influence to do good. It is... If this is not his duty, I do not understand what the duty of man is. Gordon B. Hinckley said, We cannot hope to influence others in the direction of virtue unless we live lives of virtue. The example of our living will carry a greater influence than will all the preaching in which we might indulge. We cannot expect to lift others unless we stand on higher ground ourselves. Sterling W. Seal said, when the secretary of President George Washington tried to excuse his lateness by saying his watch was slow, Washington replied, then you must get a new watch or I, another secretary. Isn't it quite likely that God may feel the same way about us when we continuously and habitually violate his first law of order, which is punctuality? Neil A. Maxwell, he wrote, 
So often we feel impl- implicit, implicitly that we are doing God a favor if we do his work, that we are helping him along when in fact our performance properly undertake, undertaken is for the welfare of our soul, not his. It is our happiness our, and our growth he seeks. How wonderful it could be to pray that we do, um, to pray that what we do would be mind stretching and soul expanding. Such genuine prayerful forethought could also reduce the less than necessary takes we do and are trivial and could lessen the number of right things we do for the wrong reasons. Last quote. I love the counsel from President Hinckley, whom we sustain as prophet, seer, and revelator. Your obligation, he said, is as serious in your sphere of responsibility as in my obligation in my sphere. No calling in the church is small or of little consequence. All of us, in the pursuit of our duty, touch the lives of others. To each of us, in our respective responsibilities, the Lord has said, Wherefore, be faithful, stand in the office which I have appointed unto you, succor the weak, lift up the hands which hang down, and strengthen the feeble knees. That comes from Doctrine and Covenants 81.5. So, those are some the quotes I highlighted. Hopefully they gave you a pause, and, and you can ponder over those. Uh, just... Fantastic uh, quotes. I, I think I like the book more now that I've reviewed the quotes a little bit better, but definitely worth checking out. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of leadership books out there. I don't think it's like top five by any means, but but worth a, worth a read. And I need to maybe reach out to the publisher and track down the authors if uh, I assume they're still around and, and rocking the world of leadership. But uh, I'd love to hear if you have any book recommendations that I must read. Um, off to the next book I'm reading is uh, called The Next Mormons by Jana Reese. I actually have an advanced copy that sh- her publisher sent me, and I've got an interview coming up with her. So going to get through that and uh, learn more about uh, what the future of uh, millennial Mormons, as she refers to them, uh, looks like in the future. So, all right, guys, thanks again for your support, being core leaders. And if you're listening to this and you're not a core leader, well, you should be. And uh, you can do that by going to leadingsaints.org and hitting the donate button.